Amen for amazing grace. Man, it's good. You know what else is good? God's word is good. Amen? And it's good for us to read it and receive it together. This is Romans chapter 6. And our passage this morning is verse 11 through 14. This is God's word. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let sin not therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and it's so wonderful to hear your church sing. So good to hear the praises of your people rise to heaven. It is amazing grace. It is a sweet sound to us. We are wretches rescued out of sin and damnation and hell and wrath brought into a place of eternal life and acceptance and joy and newness of purpose. Lord, I pray that every Christian in this room would have a fresh understanding from the Holy Spirit of what they have been saved from and a genuine gratitude and joy and excitement or over what they've been saved to eternal life. So God, would you work in our hearts as we talk about your grace, as we talk about going from old to new, Lord, would you work in the hearts of every Christian to make real decisions that really change what this next week is going to look like. And God, would you be with every person who is a sinner and not converted yet? Would you convict them of their sin? Would you bring them to salvation in Jesus Christ this morning? We beg you for this, God. We believe you for it. Bless your word now in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to church. Romans chapter 6. If you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and open it up to Romans 6. We will be spending the balance of our time together in verses 11 through 14. And if you have not been with us uh, so far this fall, our fall series has been By Faith a study of Romans chapter 4 through 6, and my sermon this morning is, by faith we go from old to new. And I'm going to ask you a question to start the message. What does it mean to get saved? What does it mean to be saved? And I would guess in a room this size, there's a variety of answers. Some of them are really good answers, 
And some of those answers are really bad answers. And we live in American Christianity, so Jesus is my daddy and Jesus is my homeboy. That theology reigns supreme. And I'm just telling you, what does the Bible answer to that question? What does it mean to get saved? The answer is repentance and faith. Hear me clearly. The Bible says that the answer is repentance and faith. Only those who repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection are going to heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, repentance, that word means recognizing your sin and pride and changing your mind. Changing your mind about your need for grace. Faith, on the other hand, is the other side of the coin. Faith is believing in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for you and confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, the result of being saved is called union with Christ. And we've been unpacking that the last couple weeks. Union with Christ means you're connected to Him by faith. So if you're wondering, what does union with Christ, what does that mean? It means you're connected to Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Some of you know what this union means, and can I get a married person, amen. When you get married, you get unionized together. And most young couples, when they're all done and they're signing the wedding license papers with me as I officiate their wedding, have literally next to no idea what's about ready to happen to them. Most married couples sign a piece of paper and they say, what's different? And a pastoral counseling response is, check back in with me in a couple months. And normally it's to the guy that you have to reiterate that communication a little bit stronger than the lady. But union with Christ means you're connected with Jesus. And when you get saved, you're like a young married couple. What's the big deal? I just made a decision. I don't want to go to hell when I die. I'd like to spend eternal life with Jesus in heaven. I pray this prayer. I repent and believe. What's going to change? Well, Everything is going to change. And that union has a positional reality called justification. Justification in Romans 5.1, which we discussed earlier a couple months ago, is being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Union with Christ means that the old has gone and the new has come. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you can give me a new amen, right? You know that newness. It's here. It's coming. In justification, you have been positionally put in a place of acceptance. Therefore, the old has gone. The new has come positionally. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So a believer's union with Christ changes everything and it answers questions 
that come into the believer's life after you get saved and you feel this wonderful presence of Jesus inside of you, you have real questions though. What about my sin? What do I do with my sin? Can I get victory over my sin? Is that possible? Some of you have been asking that question this week regarding specific sins that you struggle with. Anybody have a sin struggle in here? You're like, am I ever going to get over this? Am I ever going to get over my thinking? My thinking is in the gutter. I start multiplying bad thoughts together and all of a sudden I'm in the vortex of bad thinking. It's like a tornado of bad thinking. Am I ever going to get over that? Is my union with Christ going to help me or not? What about my language? Some of you are thinking, I had a potty mouth this week and I'm not going to tell the pastor about it. Amen? But I used bad language and I thought bad language... Am I ever going to get over that? Am I ever going to like get victory over my language? What about my desires? I have these desires. I want certain things. I want results. I want changes. I want it. And some of those are not connected to Jesus at all. Am I ever going to get over that? Am I ever going to have good desires? And what about my habits? The things that I do over and over again. Am I going to develop new habits? This is the progressive journey that every... It was the spring of 2008. We were just starting Living Waters. I had heard a rumor that one of the members of the heavy metal band Korn, Brian Welch, had gotten saved. And I remember having my mind fascinated by that. Like the bass player from Korn strung out on drugs, got saved by Jesus? Are you serious? 13,000 people showed up to watch his baptism. And all God's people said, that's a lot more than mine. <laughs> and he wrote a book called Save Me From Myself, which I bought and I devoured. And it is an excellent, raw, vivid testimony of God saving someone out of the pit of sin and death and bringing them to new life. And Brian Welch said it in his book. He said this. He said, my thing is get Jesus to come and live inside and let him start cleaning house. That's pretty good. Amen. That's sanctification. Because how else do you explain a story like Brian Welch? And the reason I share it 15 years later is because he's still walking with Jesus. Now, his theology isn't as good as mine, amen? <laughs> but I love what God has done in his life. I love it. He's still walking with the Lord. And it's super powerful. How else do you explain old to new, darkness to life? How else do you explain deadness to living spiritually? How else do you explain Satan to Jesus? The only way you explain it is amazing grace and being united with Christ. And so this sanctification, 
This reality is what we're going to be talking about this morning. The gospel empowers you to go from old to new. And I hope this message encourages you. I hope it challenges you. And for some of you, I hope it saves you. But here's the reality. If you're saved, and this is my big idea in the text, if you're saved and united with Christ, then you are going from and will go to old to new. And I say are going because you're going right now from old to new. And you will go from old to new. Hallelujah. And what's all this old and new stuff in this Romans 6 passage? Like how many areas is Paul going to address in just four verses? I mean, it's not that far, right? Or five verses. It's not that long of a passage. How many topics can he possibly hit? Well, I came up with five. And I think there's more than five. I'm only going to preach on two because we only have time to preach two. But listen, Paul is talking about the gospel and being united with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And he's saying, look, all your areas are going to change. What areas? Well, from the old dominion to the new dominion. I'm just going to list them out here for you. Old dominion to new dominion. So you're going from an old reign to a new reign. Think of a king reigning over his people. You go from an old king to a new king. Now that is... Rob's sermon next week. So I'm not going to borrow from his message. I'm going to let him preach it. Amen? Let Rob preach it next week. But old dominion to new dominion is what Christ does. He also brings us in Christ from an old identity to a new identity. There's a lot of talk about identity these days, isn't there, in our culture? We got identity confusion all over the place. We don't know who we are. But the gospel says you used to be a sinner, now you have a new identity, and that new identity is completely enveloped by Jesus Christ. You are who he says you are. You're little Christ walking around. That's who you are. So the Christian ought not get confused about the identity. We are Christ's, and Christ is ours. That's a sermon. We'll keep moving. Old realm to new realm. We go from this old realm of death to the new realm of grace. And we go from old thinking to new thinking and old habits to new habits. And those are the two I'm going to hit on this morning. We go from old to new, old thinking to new thinking and old habits to new habits. If I'm united with Christ, then there are two areas that I go from old to new in. Area number one, from old thinking to new thinking. Verse 11 and 12. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Paul is saying, if I'm united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, I will go from old thinking to new thinking. Do you see that word consider in verse 11? Do you see it? That word consider means to reckon or to decide in the mind. Boom, right here. Christianity is a movement of the mind, contrary to popular opinion. A lot of Christians show up to church and just be like, I'm ready for my emotion hit, man. Just give it to me. Give me my Jesus hit. I'm ready to get my Jesus on, get my Jesus in here, and I feel a certain way. No. Christianity is a mind movement. Change your mind. Then your emotions will follow. Some of you live on the wrong side of the train. 
The train is like this and the engine room is up here. And some of you live by your emotions. You have the emotions in the front of the engine of the train. And it's crazy train. Because when you live by your emotions, you go this way and that way. And ah, get me off of this. That's what you get when you live by your emotions. That's not Christianity. Get your brain out of the caboose and move it to the front of the engine room and let God's word and his truth lead you. Your emotions, put them in the caboose. They'll follow. Because emotions are good followers, not good leaders. So Paul is saying, consider. The word is very powerful. Decide in your mind. Reckon it true. Would you say that humans are stubborn creatures? Not Iowans. I'm telling you right now, Iowans are 10 times as stubborn. They're just nicer about it. Right? In the South, you get the, oh, sweetheart. Oh, sweetheart. You're an idiot, you know? In the Midwest, in Minnesota, it's you betcha, you know? Don't you know? But in Iowa, it's just like, yeah, okay, I'll see you there. No, you won't. You're mean. You're just smiling about it. Listen, Jeremiah chapter 17, 9 says that the human heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? I'm telling you right now, God is on a mission to change people's minds. Jesus wants your mind. He wants you to think differently. He wants you to embrace him for who he is. He wants you to start processing information differently. That's the whole point of the word consider. Consider yourselves dead to sin. Read your Bible. There's so many passages where God is changing the minds of the people that he's talking to. How about Habakkuk chapter 1? The prophet is, woe is me. Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4 there's no justice in the land. This is bad. Everything's bad. God has forsaken us. God, where are you? God, you have forsaken this land. And God steps in in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 and says, I'm doing such a work, you wouldn't believe it if you saw it. Yeah. Say what? And Habakkuk's like, change my mind. You change my mind, God. And the rest, of the, the rest of the book of Habakkuk is a totally different mind change. What about Matthew 20, verse 25 and 26? All the apostles running around, elbowing, pushing each other, talking to each other, saying, who's the greatest? I'm the greatest, right? You're the greatest? I'm the greatest. They're the great. Who's the greatest? And Jesus says, the greatest among you will be your servant. What is he doing? He's trying to change their mind, their thinking upside down. What about Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 where the apostle Paul says, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Consider yourself dead to sin is what Paul says. Consider yourself dead to sin. Reckon it true. Whether it's true experientially or not, reckon it true. You are dead to sin because of your position in Christ. You have been crucified with Christ, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And you're no longer under the dominion of sin. Tony Merida, 
In his excellent commentary on Romans, he said this, this does not mean that we are unable to sin. We all sin. But the reign of sin has ended for all who are in Christ. Here's a phrase that I want to put into your brain, and I want you to say it this week by God's grace. I'm dead to that. Okay? Consider yourself dead to sin. That's what this means. I'm dead to that. If you have sin struggles this week, is anybody going to have a sin struggle this week? Yeah, all hands should be going up. We should be getting Pentecostal in here. Everybody's going to have a sin struggle this week. The phrase reckon yourself dead to sin means I'm dead to that. Whether you are or not, experientially, you need to say it out loud. I am dead to cursing. I am dead to bad decision making. I am dead to foolishness. I am dead to those sins that once held me. I am dead to that alcohol. I am dead to that substance. I'm dead to that. Because that's what Christians say. Because the cross has won the battle, right? We just sang the song. You've already won. I'm fighting a battle. You've already won. Christ has already won the battle. So a growing Christian says, I'm dead to that. Consider yourselves dead to sin and consider yourself, same word, alive to God in Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, you rose from the dead. So you're alive with him with resurrection power. As Chad said last week, we have the resurrection power of Christ inside of us. We have that inside of us, and now we are alive to God with Christ, and we can say no to sin and yes to God. You have the power to say no to sin and yes to God. Here's another phrase I'd like you to say as a growing Christian. Christ is better than that. Put that in your vocabulary this week. I'm dead to that, and Christ is better than that. Because that is the truth of the gospel. You are alive to God through Christ, which means Jesus is better than that which is tempting you. Christ is better than that food. Amen? Any overeaters? Christ is, no, 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 not at all. Christ is better than that. Christ is better than the words I'm thinking that I'm about ready to land on somebody. Christ is better than that. Christ is better than the sins that I'm about ready to jump into. Christ is better than sports. He's better than that. He's better than gambling on sports. Did you know that? Jesus is better than that. I don't care if it's legal in Iowa. Christ is better. Amen? Being unified with Christ means I'm empowered to think differently. And I just want to encourage Christians. God's out on a mission in your life. Just because you got saved doesn't mean he's done working. He's on a mission to change your thinking. And he's on a mission to change the thinking patterns that you've had for a long time. Sin is not in charge of your brain anymore. Jesus is. Hallelujah. In sanctification, we go to war with our sin through a renewed mind through Jesus, and we are on the winning side. If I'm united with Christ, I go from old thinking to new thinking. Secondly, if I'm united with Christ, I go from old habits to new habits. I go from old habits to new habits. Do not present yourself as members of sin, as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God 
as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law but under grace. If I'm united with Christ, I go from old habits to new habits. Now, do you see the word present in verse 13? The word present means to set before or to set at hand or to set in front of. So basically what Paul is saying is that he's saying, set your hands, mouth, feet, eyes, ears, and mind, your members, that's what he means. He means like all your faculties. Set your members in front of God as tools for righteousness. Before you knew Christ, you used all your tools, you used all your body parts for sin. You were a tool of unrighteousness. But then Christ saved you, and now you can present yourself to God, and those same faculties that you used to use for sin, you can now use as instruments of of righteousness. So it's like soldiers presenting themselves and their arms for service. And I have a picture here of U.S. military. So if you see a presentation like this, it does so many things to you as a person. It gets me fired up. Like they are presenting themselves. You see their feet and their hands and their face and their eyes and their ears and their guns. Can I get an amen for the white gloves? I love the white gloves. I think that's so cool. I think that's so amazing. It's like the thing that finishes off the um, uniform, but I'm not here to talk about military fashion. I'm here to talk about Jesus. So if you look at these soldiers, they are there to present their members as tools for the government, to do whatever the government asks them to do, to be soldiers, domestic and foreign, And they are presenting themselves with all of their faculties ready to roll when they are there for active duty. And that is the picture of the Christian life. You are a soldier, not for yourself anymore, but you're a soldier for Jesus. And you are to present yourself and your members as tools or instruments of righteousness. Now, how do we do that, right? What we do with our hands and mouth and feet and eyes and ears and mind, what we do is driven by what we think. You will do whatever you think. And you will think with whatever desires you have inside of you. That's how the counseling process works. So your actions, you'll do by what you think. And you'll think by what you desire. And what we do with our members, what we do with our hands, mouth, feet, eyes, and ears, and mind is driven by what we think. And what we do over and over again is called a habit. So if we're united with Christ, we can present our members to God because Christ has purchased that ability for us. So unsaved people, right? They go and use their members as tools of sin. But being united with Christ means we can start using our body and our Our mind for God and his glory. That's amazing. That's good news. That's new. So this is spelled out by Paul in Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. These are the put off, put on principles of sanctification. Put off the old man, put on the new man. 
right? This is, this is what we use in our counseling offices all the time with people. But let's go through our members because let's just pretend you're up here standing as a soldier, ready for duty for Jesus Christ, unified with him, death, burial, and resurrection. You're ready for duty. Let's go through your members one at a time. Let's start with your mind. What should you do with your mind? You should present your mind to God. So instead of thinking about sinful things and fearful imaginations and conjectures and rumors, you should think about God and his word and his truth and a biblical worldview of life. And you should preach the gospel to yourself. What do you do in the morning? Stretch, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, eat breakfast. You know what you should do? Preach the gospel to your mind. Get the gospel into your brain early on in the day and throughout the day. Present your mind to God. What about your ears? Some of you have ears, right? Ha ha, all of you have ears. Some big, some small. Y'all have ears? Instead of listening to garbage and spiritually sinful stuff and horrible things, how about you listen to God's word and listen to godly counselors and the spirit of God and good music and things that build you up? Why not that? You can. Christ purchased it for you. You can choose. What about your eyes? In the digital age, the eyes might be the most underrated member of them all. Because we know what the stats are of how many hours we're looking at these things, these, these screens. What are we doing with our eyes? Well, instead of letting your eyes glaze over, looking at images that can damage and destroy your soul and make you feel depressed and anxious, how about you look at the things that are honorable and good and build you up and encourage you in Christ? How about you get outside and look at God's amazing creation and say, wow, look at this God. How many parents said that to their kids this week? Amen. Can I get a parental amen? Get outside. Go look at God's creation. Look how awesome it is. Stop looking at a screen. Go, go outside in God's creation. Job made a covenant with his eyes that he would not lust after a young woman. Guys, some of you need to take on that commitment. Make a covenant with your eyes to stop looking at garbage. What about your feet? You're to present your feet to God. Instead of going to places that are dangerous, dark, and sinful, and known for sin, use your feet to spread the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, right? Go to places that will build you up, build up the community Use your feet to get involved in things that bring God glory. And may I say, towards the end of this sermon here, use your feet to go vote on Tuesday. Amen? Get your feet out of your house and out of your work and go vote. What a privilege and an honor it is in a free society to go vote. And some of you are going to waste it. And I want to tell every single one of you on Tuesday, go vote. Go vote like a Christian. Get your feet and get into a place where you can make a difference. What about your mouth? Present your mouth to God. Instead of using your mouth to curse and gossip and slander, 
Use your mouth to speak God's word and build others up and honor others and bless the Lord. The mouth, as James says, is a very dangerous thing. It can be used to curse God or bless God. Curse man or bless man. Use your hands or your mouth to present your mouth to God. Hands. What about your hands? This is the final one. Present your hands to God. Instead of using your hands to curse and sin and type bad things and, and do produce bad things, use your hands to worship God. Everybody look at the hands here, okay? Your hands are dangerous. You got those opposable thumbs, right? Like, we're different than everybody else. We can like, do stuff with these things. You will either do great damage to God's glory and your life with these things, or you will build God's glory up and bless your life with these things. Now, I want you to think through hand movements, okay? This is how I'm going to do this, right? Because I want you to remember stuff. This is the hands of a sinner before they know Christ. Tight-fisted. I can do it my own way. I'm full of pride and sin. I can figure it out. I don't need God. The first hand movement is open hands. Salvation. Receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Open your hands. Second hand movement is this. Everybody do this right here. Everybody go up. Everybody do it. Come on, both hands. See, you're not as Baptist as I thought. Look at this. Look at this. Way to go. Hands up in worship. Right? We lift our hands up, not just during a church service, but we do it during devotions. We do it during when we're excited about stuff. We lift up our hands to God in worship and praise. Now, we extend our hands this way. What's this all about? Serving others. Use your hands to other people. Go be a blessing to someone. Use your hands to bless someone else's life. And then finally, denying hands like this. Denying Satan and sin. Amen? Use your hands to do this. No, no, sin. No, no. Get all Dikembe Mutombo, 90s NBA on them. Like, no, 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 no. This, we deny sin, right? Our members to God. Active it is. There's so many things in our mind, ears, eyes, feet, mouth, and hands that are just super applicable. If Christ is united with us, we're dedicating our members to his glory. Now, that is spiritual warfare. If you think that's going to be easy, you have another thing coming. If you want to start dedicating your members to God, it's going to be hard. That's why we need the grace of God. We're not under the law of sin and death. We're the law of grace. So grace gives us new want-tos, new desires. We go from old to new. If you're this, did you ever think before your Christian life started that you in this place now, with all these new habits and all these new words and all these new wonderful starts, you never, but here you are. God's grace has saved you and brought you here and now you're using your members for his glory. What a story, amen? What is it that brought you this far? Law keeping? Pastor Josh is preaching? Your small group leader? Did they bring you so far? God's grace brought you this far. 
And God's grace, as the old hymn says, will lead you. So the grace of you, new desires, a new start. So the gospel empowers you to old to new. And if you're saved and united with Christ, then you're going and you will go from old to new. Three applications and I'm going to close. Number one application for a Christian. You're a believer and you're on fire for God. You're like, I'm so thankful I'm not the old person I used to be. And you're on fire for God. Here's what I want to tell you. Keep going. Keep dedicating your members to Christ. Keep riding that momentum. of All new. Keep it going. I want to encourage you who are Christians right now. Keep going for Christ. I was going to say keep rocking for Christ, but you know what I mean, right? Just keep going. Second application. Some of you are Christians. You're like, I remember that newness. I remember getting saved. Now I'm sensing some of that old coming back. That old man. I've allowed the old man to kind of slip into some of these categories of my life. And I'm not maybe on fire like I used to be. If that's you, you need to repent and confess. You have the resurrection of Jesus inside you. He already knows. So confess those things are becoming like old man stuff. Get it right and get moving. For some of you, you're not saved. And it's always been old man. And you're lost in your sins and you don't know Christ. And I'm just... Loves you. He died for you. He rose again for you. And he's ready to cause you to be born again. He's ready to receive you. But you have to repent and believe. And that's the third application. So let's apply the word as we close in prayer, and then we'll thank you for the opportunity to be in your word this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that you are the one who brings things from old to new. You did it in my life. 20 years ago, you, you brought me from death to life, and I've, and I've never gotten over it. And Lord, for every Christian that is here who's on fire for you and thinks new and excited, I pray that you would continue to push them down that road of new thinking and new habits. And God, for those Christians who are struggling, I pray that you would lead them to confession. Help them confess specifically the areas of sin that have crept in, the old man that needs to get right. And Lord, may you bless every sinner that is not yet converted. Lord, that them to Christ right now. May the newness of the resurrection, the newness of the power of the gospel reach them and may they confess their sins now and repent and believe. So God, lead us all to repent and, and respond in ways that glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand once more.